Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Tomahawk Show brought to you by Uninterrupted. Listen, make sure you subscribe. Rate us five stars anywhere that podcasts are available. Apple, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, you name it. This is Tomahawk. Hashtag Tomahawk with an H to hit us up on Twitter. Check out our Reddit page. You know, last episode, we had an incredible episode with Johnny Football. Today, even more exciting. I I think we now are joined by the best quarterback in NFL history. Joe, tell us what we got coming up. Exciting show for us today. We've got Bruce Gradkowski, who played with Andrew Hawkins in college, and he played with me and Andrew in the NFL. Uh, He's going to talk about his time with the Browns, that legendary start start against the Steelers. He's going to talk about uh, why Hawk owes him $200 for a bed. (laughs) Uh, he's going to also give us his top five college quarterbacks and one sleeper that you need to watch when the draft comes up. And lastly, we're going to do the fan favorite Tomahawk Q&A. As always, keep watching and keep listening to the Tomahawk Show. And now, without further ado, we have the man, the myth, the legend, the best quarterback in NFL history, Bruce Gradkowski. How you doing today, bro? Hawk, Joe, thanks for having me, guys. I I, I knew coming in today I had to bring my own water bottle because – I know with Hawk, his cheap ass probably wouldn't even give me a bottle of water to come on the show. So in college, you threw all those touchdown passes to Hawk. Did he ever take you out to dinner to thank you? No, Why not once. Why would I take him out to dinner? He should be thanking me. <laughs> I got him drafted. <laughs> what I, what wow. I, what you I did? drafted? Hey, I gave the guy a bed, and he still hasn't, <laughs> he still hasn't paid me for Can we it? start off with that bed story? Let's start quick. with the bed story. We love stories here on the Tomahawk we do. Show. We do. We'll get, we'll get right into it. Obviously, for a little background for the, for the, for the listeners – Bruce is an 11-year NFL veteran. He's played with 22 teams. Yeah. <laughs> is that 22 real? 22 teams. 25. <laughs> no. oh my, are you serious? No, not that bad. <laughs> All right. I believed you. I think Dude, I believed you. Tampa, Raiders. I went to, I went to St. Louis for a training St. Louis, camp. The Raiders, the Bengals, the Steelers. Who am I missing? The Browns. The Browns. You are, <laughs> a, of course, you are four of the, the 20 quarterbacks on the jersey, which is probably – one of the biggest accomplishments in my eyes. So, well, I first, I first should start off and, and apologize for to Joe. There you go. We got two. Uh, I'm glad. We got two. It's Joe, about time, Joe. You know the the whole four weeks I was here. <laughs> I'm sorry for wasting your time and, and not winning that game with my last start of the season. That was a really bad game, though. You Can put we, my career on a I bad path. I don't even path. know what story to start with. <laughs> well, what were the stats for that game? I don't remember how that went down. NFD. The, yeah. NFD, NFD. Do you have the stats, stats from the? I, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers versus Cleveland Browns, Bruce Gradkowski start. In Bruce's lone start with the Browns, he was 5 of 6 passing for 18 yards, two interceptions, during a 31 to nothing loss at Pittsburgh. That's a, hey, that's a good completion percentage. Yeah, I was just going to say that. How you five, started out 5 of 6. I'm like, how hey, is he 5 for 6 with two percentage? Things. 5 for 16. Oh, a little different story there. Come say, on, 5 man. for 6, five two for interceptions. Six. We didn't exactly feature the air game that day. <laughs> Five for six. Hey, five of sixteen. Do we have a good. passer rating? Hold on, not good. Okay. <laughs> the the best part about that was I was there four weeks. Right before that game, Romeo Cornell's still there. Everyone knows like the seasons. Yeah, they're but all getting fired. Everybody. Everyone's knew out the door, and I'm fired up because I get an opportunity to start. So I'm approaching this game like you know this is my Super Bowl. So I remember I bring the team up right before we take the field at Heinz Field, and I break everyone down. <laughs> 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 what a to, moment. Only to have the worst QB rating like, <laughs> in NFL history. Yeah. Hey, defend yourself. What happened that You were day? the first Nathan Peterman. Five well, of 16. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> One call, we had a corner blitz coming off the right side, and I righty the line. 
the protection. Uh, you, which was the right thing to do. The right thing. You turn the protection into the blitz. Yep. I can't I got, wait to cut this up with the highlights. <laughs> Go ahead. And I got blasted. The ball goes straight up in the air. It gets picked. I don't think Troy Polamalu. So that's my first pick. So I think, Joe, your offensive line didn't slide. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying righty, and we thought you said lefty. Classic mistake. Well, it was probably like, this guy came and broke us down, and he's been here four weeks. <laughs> Let's let this guy get smoked. Give him a taste of his medicine. And then later on in the game, I hit Jamal Lewis in the flat. It hits right off his face mask, goes straight up in the air. The corner picks it and takes it to the house. <laughs> so what you're saying is it ain't my fault. That's what, that's what I gather from what I just heard. So you did throw well, a touchdown pass. I did. There you go. I had to build the Steelers' confidence going yeah. to that playoff run. That's the year yeah. they won the Super Bowl. Oh, was it really? You know what's funny? They were a good team. The funniest part about this, you know, and for people that don't know, me and Bruce were roommates in college. And I was still in school with it. So, like, all of his friends, all these moments in his career, we were all, like, jacked up going in. Like, oh, Bruce is about to – this is about to <laughs> yeah. be the start of the next Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm watching this game from my college, you know, apartment. And I'm like, man, this is going horrible. Because Bruce is from Pittsburgh. Yeah, this is so, in his hometown. And he if had, you like, ever 100 played tickets. with Bruce, he is the pregame speech guy. Oh, he yeah. Is, oh, yeah. He gives you all, like, the yeah, Baker Mayfield. Jameis Winston, he's eating his W's. Yeah, he W's. He gets jacked, and he's playing his hometown team. Oh, man. So he's thinking, yo, I'm about to pass for 600 yards. <laughs> <laughs> and this is about They're going to put my name on the stadium. Oh, hey, man. hey, Dan, do you have the stats to the following year, though, when I was with the Raiders and oh, came back? And, and wow. Oh, Steelers. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Dynamite drop in there, Dan. But I do have something that you did versus the Browns. It was yeah. 2011. You were with the Bengals. Interested to hear your take on this. It was the home opener. Andy Dalton got hurt. You come in, and you quick snap. The Browns defense is still in the huddle. You throw the first ever touchdown pass to A.J. Green. Do you remember that? Yes, because I started A.J. Green as what he is because of that touchdown pass. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, man. I remember that game. Andy got – that was like Andy's rookie year. Yeah. Carson – like refused to come to work. He was like, <laughs> if I have to play for he the was Bengals, on the line. I quit. So we didn't know what Andy <laughs> Dalton was. Andy is like, like he's like super nice dude, mild mannered. Like you know, you just don't know. And I remember like that first game, he like hurts his hand. It didn't really look like it was that bad of an injury. And he comes out and he's like, oh, he's not going back in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is the softest it- dude. <laughs> I remember everybody was thinking like, oh my gosh, Bruce goes in, Bruce. We get a touch. We get a touchdown pass. We end up winning the game. It's like, oh man, Bruce is our quarterback. You know, yeah. it's Andy yeah, Dalton. Yeah. He's going to be nothing. Uh-huh. Andy comes in the next game again and never and yeah, doesn't and miss a game for like six years. Well, and that's a good point, Hawk, because we all were like that. You know, I, I've been around the block and I'm thinking, okay, cool, I get another opportunity. But at halftime, when Andy's like, yeah, my wrist, you know, my arm, and he's warming up throwing, I'm like dude, you look fine. <laughs> like, are you serious right now? So I'm like, F it. I go in. We end up winning. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, if I could get one more start under my belt, because we were 0-1 at the time playing the Browns. Mm-hmm. We beat them. So now we're 1-1. I'm like, if I could get this next week start and we win again, then maybe I could start now. And then, like, to your point, Andy never got hurt after that. Andy's actually played a really good career healthy-wise. He's tough. So he showed because I mean, that touchdown pass, he was like, you know, I got Bruce Gratkowski on my yeah, ass. I'm not, I can't miss any more so, snaps. So I mean, I think AJ Green, AJ after, owes you, Andy owes Andy me, Andy owes you. The Steelers Mar- owe you the 08 Super Bowl. <laughs> the Steelers, <laughs> are right? Who picked you off for that touchdown? Do you remember? I don't know. I don't. I want to say William Gay, but I, yeah, I don't remember. He's still time. in the league. 
Boom. Is he really? Yeah. So I sparked his career. See, I'm a guy that wants to help other yeah, guys very and teams caring. succeed. Very caring. What, that was your scouting report coming in. <laughs> this guy won't do shit for your team, but let me tell you what. He'll really help the other guys on their career path. Uh, so anyways, hey, I wanted to uh, say there's two things I remember about your only start in Cleveland. One was the fact that Jamal Lewis needed like 100 yards to get over 1,000. And in that game, if he got to 1,000 yards – he was going to get like a million dollar bonus or something crazy like that. Yeah. So I remember the rallying cry all week was like, we got to get J. Lou a hundred yards so he can get his bonus. <laughs> the second thing I remember about that week was you having most of the O line over to your house oh, yeah. for dinner on Saturday night, which was like the most epic meal of my entire life. <laughs> Not only the amount of food, but like the traditional status of like how all the men would sit down and eat and like your, your mom and your aunts and your uh, cousins would all like serve us. And then all the guys went outside and like threw the football around as the women <laughs> ate. It was the most bizarre thing, but I mean, it was so cool just how you invited us into your house and uh, you gave us that traditional Italian meal. And you could tell that that was something that you guys have done a long time. And that, that was meal. the last supper. It was yeah. like the last supper. Well, they you knew you were getting killed. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that was one thing too. Like I've always bought into everywhere I went. Like yeah. I was, I've signed with the Browns with four games remaining and I've, had them make me number number seven jerseys to give them to my mom and dad <laughs> and Miranda at the time. Like, oh, I'm going to be in Cleveland forever. Let's get jerseys. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> now I know how the NFL works. I'm like, I wouldn't even. Uh, yeah. I would have lived in my car for those four weeks. Yeah. But you got uh, jerseys made. <laughs> but th- no, that, I mean that was a credit to you guys, though. I mean the offensive line. Those are my guys. You know, you guys are the ones in the trenches working your asses off every day, every week. Um, so could, it was cool, man. I but could tell by the way they missed that protection and got the <laughs> We really paid you back for that great yeah, meal. They really Thanks appreciate it. What was the final the record of that year? Two thousand eight. We were four and twelve. Take one it was of those. Tough. Now. It was tough. Yeah, four and twelve this year would have been a big, uh, Golly, uh, huge man. celebration. They would have had a, a, a parade. Oh yeah. wait, they did. <laughs> <laughs> all right so what else we got here bruce can we tell like the bed story yeah so yeah. bruce gets so again i'm a sophomore in college bruce is one of my roommates he's so big time in college like you, was he really oh my god is, is his name on the stadium and at the glass bowl he he had before my senior of year bruce, his- <laughs> during his senior year there's a huge mural of wow bruce in the stadium like, it's the biggest one there you no see kidding. it from any angle in the stadium bruce gradkowski rocket legend so he's wow. in college with this, right? So he's Man. walking around like he is the dude. Right? I saw it. I had hair at the time, too. Oh, he, had, no he had a little bit of hair at the time. Was it long hair? No, it no, wasn't it was long hair. Very it was, receding. It was very thin. Thin to say <laughs> the least. A little bit of a high fade, mostly receding. Yeah. That's when we were trying to get him to, you know, it's, it's time to make the ball. Yeah, play. right. It's time to make the move. But So he gets drafted, and I forget. I don't know why I didn't have a bed. Maybe because I was. Broke. Well, well, Hawk, you know Hawk. He's going to take advantage of the situation. So. Am I? Wow, that he, was kind he, of a backhanded was, comment. You know, there. We'll get to that. <laughs> now people see where my tweet came from. <laughs> he, uh, so he sees me get drafted, right? So he's like, hey, bro, like, you're not going to do anything with this bed, right? This bed you, is just you, sitting here. You don't need it. How, how much did you get to sign as a six-round draft pick? Like, <laughs> you're like $5,000? <laughs> yeah. I paid them. <laughs> can, can I hold on to this bed? Yeah, man, no no problem. Go ahead. You know, just throw me a couple hundred bucks for it. Whatever. Yeah, just give me like 200 bucks for the bed. I'm like, All right, good deal. And so, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you're drunk if you think I'm paying you any money. For this. Wow. You're in the NFL now. So, so, so you still owe him money. So I came to man. collect his debt. 
That's why he's here. Oh, is that why you're here? That's why he's here. It's funny. Oh, I still had a vet in my house. Nobody would actually willingly come on the Tomahawk show unless they had a vendetta. <laughs> they were trying to get their 200 bucks back. I still have that bed in my house right now. That was a legit really? bed, though, for college. No, really was it a regular twin? Because you a, clearly don't need the twin. No, it was itself. a queen. Queen. It was a, it was a queen. It's in, really? it's in one of my guest rooms. You and, like, the whole family sleep in it? Yep. All the mini Hawkins <laughs> can fit in one queen bed. <laughs> Three children and mom and dad. What size bed do you sleep in? There's Actually, no this is king. funny. I We sleep on a regular king bed, but... Uh, King I've beds in your family are like twin beds. Yeah, everybody. it's serious. So I, I've he has said a three-year-old. Like next five, time six. I get a bed, I want to get two queens and put them together. Just because I'm so big, like I just take up so much space. Sleeping on a king bed, it's like you sleeping on a regular twin bed. It's just not enough space. And you spend half your life in the bed, so why not treat yourself? That's, you that's should, my bro. Why theory. would you get one specially made by now? Hey, man, you're the type of guy that's got those connections. You're the one that's always out in L.A. with Listen, all the big stars. We got any bed companies We got a bed company that wants to sponsor me, give me a giant-ass bed. Joe is <laughs> six foot seven. How, how much do you weigh? I'm 300-ish. 300 pounds. More like 200-ish right now. Yeah, right <laughs> not, now, not he's not looking very 300. Look at him. Thank you. Appreciate Still, it. Still, we need a bed. So all the bed companies listening, here's your opportunity you, to get involved with the Tomahawk You know what show. they should do is they should measure you in comparison to a twin and Joe to a king. <laughs> yeah. And see what the ratio and little, see how. Tomahawk analytics. I yeah, like, there you go. I like what We're big on analytics. Table, bro. And see what, what size bed Joe really needs. <laughs> yeah, that makes 100% sense. <laughs> well, maybe if you got an extra bed laying around, Bruce, you can sell it to me for 200 bucks that I won't pay up on. <laughs> I got one more story. One more Bruce Gregg. All right, one more story. Then before let's we, get into quarterback stuff. Before we get into the, the, uh, anal- the analysis. When I w- so, <laughs> and Bruce could tell this. So I tell the story all the time how the Rams cut me in a day, right? Now, obviously, me and Bruce go way back. We're, you know, the best of friends, played together in college, roommates. So when I came from Canada, I signed with the Rams. Lockout happened. You know, everyone's all excited. Bruce is all excited. Um, and I get there, and I get cut on the first day. But nobody really knows. It's not like, you know, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And so people start hitting Bruce up on Twitter like, oh, man, Hawk is with the Bengals, and he's like, oh, whatever. Now, this time, yeah. Bruce had just signed with the Bengals in, like, the, the shotgun free right. agency they had after the uh, Oh, the after lock, the lockout, lockout. ended. Yeah, so. So I'm, at, so I'm in training camp right now, and people are tweeting me, like, oh, man, that's awesome. You're going to team up with your old teammate, Andrew Hawkins, and you guys are going to join forces with the Bengals. I'm like, you're crazy, man. He's with, he's with the Rams right now in training camp. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I come up in the facility, like, during camp. He's not even – He's like We're, lifting. I'm in the weight room, lifting. I'm working out, like doing bench, and I'm sitting there for my next set. And Hawk walks by me nonchalant. Hey, what's up, bro? And keeps walking. <laughs> and I, I'm like, what? I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> so that's how he found out I was on the Bengals. And then I ended up, and honestly, and this is like a, a true part, I owe a lot of my career to Bruce because when I, like, when I made the Bengals practice roster, you know, like the backup quarterback is the guy on the scout team. So Bruce, knowing me, he would just throw me the ball literally – all every the time. practice, every – and, you know, I would perform, but that, like, without that, like, yeah. that's why, like, chemistry is so right. important in the game because without that, I probably would never get my Dan, opportunity. write that down, another guy. Another guy. <laughs> Ad hoc to the list with A.J. Green and the Steelers. When man. they put me on the practice squad, like, after camp, we went out to lunch. Me, Keisha, my wife, um, his wife, Miranda, we went out to, like – they took us to, to dinner or something like that because – so we went and it was like I was excited, right? I was making forty five grand a year in the CFL. Practice squad makes like hundred and ten grand. Oh yeah, practice so squad's like, a good gig. I'm like, ooh, I just doubled my salary. Right. I'm excited. We get the dinner and it's like Bruce has this whole tone, like it's like it's like I feel bad for you dinner. I realize, <laughs> when I get there, they're like, sorry you didn't make the team, man. And I'm like, dude, I'm 
ecstatic that I didn't, I, I'm on the practice squad. What are you talking about? I just set I'm the like, bar high for him. I'm yeah. like, he was better had, than practice yeah. squad. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, and I have my, and I have a son on the way. Like, you know, oh, I was telling yeah. him, and he was like, ha, ha, no, that would suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. No, and then he, it was like an awkward silence. Wow. Here, here's how it happened. We're having lunch, and you know, we're just talking. We're we're talking about I, I, I forget what. You know, we're just having a conversation. Man, how's your burger? Hawks like good. Keisha's pregnant. And I'm like, ah, yeah, man, that would suck. <laughs> that was the exact words. Like how you just got cut from the team. That'd be very bad timing. And then Miranda looked at me. She's like, no, no, he's serious. And Miranda's like, oh, that's so awesome. How far along are you? And I'm like, oh, shit, he is serious. <laughs> she's trying to cover for you. That's how he found out about Austin. Oh, man. That's great. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, you guys are the best now. of friends. All right. Let's get into the uh, quarterback stuff. I know that people all over the NFL are excited to hear your take on the quarterbacks, but especially in Cleveland here, we've got the number one overall pick. Obviously, this is a franchise that's been looking for a franchise quarterback since they came back in 99. So yeah. uh, I know you've spent a lot of time watching the film, spending time with some of these guys, doing your evaluation and um, – you're probably one of the best guys I've ever heard talk about these quarterbacks. So I'm really excited to hear your take. Um, let's just go down the list here and start talking about these guys. Give me what you think, your pros, your cons, and where you yeah. think they'll get drafted. Uh, let's start off with uh, the most controversial guy, at least in this room, uh, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> it sounds like uh, Hawk thinks he's the next Tom Brady, and uh, Bruce thinks he's the next somebody you've never heard of. So uh, let, let's hear what's your take, Lamar Jackson. Give me the full rundown. Well, first, I, I want to clear that up. Hawk and I were talking on the phone, and we both saw eye to eye on, on Lamar Jackson. So, uh, then, so then I send a, uh, a tape out. Of one of his plays, and believe me, if if you're a first round, first overall pick, and you're a Heisman Trophy winner, and you make a dumb ass play, I'm going to coach you up in the next the next day and let you know. So I take I, I post something like, man, he's got to you know he can't make these type of decisions at the next level if, if he wants to be a quarterback. If he sticks with quarterback, right? If he wants because to be a quarterback, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. That's what's going around. Yeah, people are like, yep. I'm like the dude's throwing for nine thousand yards in his college career, sixty nine touchdown passes. Yeah, he's thrown, he's rushed for over four thousand yards. But the dude is an amazing quarterback at the college level. Why are we even having this discussion? Just because he's the best athlete coming out in the draft, do you have to switch in positions? I mean, we talk about all the time: get the ball, find a way to get the ball in this guy's hands. How do you do it? Just let him play quarterback. He touches the ball on every snap. Yeah. So my main man, this asshole <laughs> yeah, over what here, a good guy, huh? <laughs> Has to take it to the next level. I believe he was very contrite though because he did delete the tweet in like well, what, five minutes what because he was, felt so bad about it. But luckily, everyone screenshotted it so they could well, save it forever. People don't know that we're friends, so yeah. like when I yeah. sent it, yeah. like it was like you know we same thing yeah. we're doing on the yeah. show. We do all the yeah. time. So people were like, "Oh man, you killed that yeah. guy, man! Body bag, yeah. you body bagged him." And then I'm like, "Oh, I better delete this, otherwise people are going to get the wrong idea." Nope, internet. <laughs> Can you repeat what you said for those who didn't see it? Yeah, I said in the game of the play that you put up, Lamar was 25 of 39 for 393 yards, three touchdowns, like 120 yards rushing for another three touchdowns. Yeah, it was like insane stats. Oh, it was like, like crazy he... stats, and I said, "Quote, quote, if." You can play quarterback in the NFL for 11 years. He'll be just fine. Uh -huh. So, again, that roommate back and forth. <laughs> oh, yeah. people so, didn't. so I responded to, to Hawk's tweet, and, and my response was, 
this tweet is no longer available. He <laughs> I deleted it. <laughs> he deleted it. So I was going back. I said, look, I don't care if you have stats as you're playing a video game. I'm going to coach you up the next meeting. Yeah, you're the quarterback guru. That's your and, job. And That's the QB it. room, you know, because – as you know, Joe, is the future Hall of Fame player you are. Me too. You want coaching. And Hawk, the, the Little League Hall of Fame player he is. <laughs> but you, we all want coaching. You know, that's what these guys – like, players want coaching. No matter if you're Tom Brady or a guy just trying to make the team, you want coaching. So, I mean, that, that was kind of my point to that. But, I mean, getting back to Lamar Jackson, I think this dude is electrifying. You know, and I – as I put my list together of my top five guys, right now I have him at number three. I mean, and that that I think will change before the draft. I mean, it'll you know change around. I mean, Sam Darnold hasn't thrown yet or has had his pro day. But I think what Lamar brings is if I'm the coach to that team, I know if he's in the huddle, we have a chance. I mean, if he line up right now for the Browns, you automatically know you're winning games just because he's in the huddle playing quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Even the receiver talk, I think – like, I think it's also, you know, bullshit to, to say, oh, we're changing positions now. That's not a conversation you have to have right now. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. Yes, he has to work on his, some of his throwing and all that kind of stuff, but that's not a conversation for now because obviously there's teams who could use him at quarterback. There's really bad quarterbacks in this league. And the second, the reason why it's the conversation is happening is because he is an incredible athlete, but this isn't a conversation you have right now. Right now he's a quarterback. When the conversation that maybe happens, this is four years from now. He's 20, what, 22? Young kid. 21? He's, In four yeah, years, yeah. he'll be 25. So let's say he comes to the league as a quarterback. He goes to the, the Jaguars. He doesn't play well or he's not good because it happens. It's 50% of the time. Your top guys, that happens to number one picks, let alone you know anyone that's controversial already. So let's say he doesn't play well and he's relegated to you know a backup caliber player. Well, then now at, at 25 in your second contract, you know, three or four or five in the league, you make the decision at that point at 25, okay, do I want to make $6 million a year as a backup, $5 million a year, $4 million a year as a backup, or do I want to make $15 million as a wide receiver? That's when you have the conversation. But right now the opportunity is to make $27 million as a quarterback eventually. You know, you don't have well, that conversation for another and, four years. And that's, I mean, that's a great point, Hawk. And, and all these quarterbacks coming out right now, they're not true polished, ready to go. I mean, they all None need – None of them are. N- yeah. No one is. You know you're, what I mean? You're not going to be that way coming out of college. Right. And, and um, But Lamar Jackson, he's something special. I mean, Josh Rosen, is, his mechanics are there, and he's smooth, and he throws the ball pretty. But the stuff Lamar Jackson brings, that's a different type, level type stuff. I mean, yes, you got to fix his base a little bit, get him a, a better width about him, throw more with his legs. And that kid will learn that stuff if he gets a good coach and they grasp him and build an offense around him. So my big question when I watch Lamar Jackson is being a smaller guy, can he hold up? If you're a guy that's going to rely on making some plays with your legs outside the pocket, whether it be scrambling to throw, scrambling to run, are you going to be able to hold up to the beating that you take as an NFL quarterback? You know, when it co- when I think of quarterbacks that are athletic that can move, make plays outside the pocket, I think of Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, and if you look at Aaron Rodgers, obviously he won the Super Bowl and he's had an amazing career, but he's always getting hurt. I mean, and then he's right. leaving the, his team out to dry for an entire season. Like you look at what happened with Green Bay this year after they lost Aaron, they couldn't beat. Hardly anybody. But what, I can't think of a quarterback who hasn't been hurt, though. Well, I'm just saying consistently 
staying yeah. healthy is like one of the most important things and, and as try, a quarterback. And trying to play 10,000 snaps in a row. Yeah, that's right. Like my man. Yeah, 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 he has yeah, a yeah, very yeah. high standard. Yeah, like, yeah, what? You left man. the field? You yeah. pansy? Yeah. But if you look at a guy like Cam Newton, he's much bigger. Now, yeah. he makes a lot, right. lot of plays Cam, with his feet. Cam Newton's 250 pounds. So you right. bring up a great point because that's one of my concerns about Lamar Jackson. He's what, like 205? He's not, he's not overly muscular. Yeah. Early on in his college career, is 205? Yeah, I'm sure. What did he, get, one what he weigh in at the combine? Was it 216? <laughs> I think it was like 216 yeah, at the combine. So, and he, but he looks physically strong. He yeah, looks yeah, like yeah. a strong kid. But like you said, Cam Newton's 250. You could mm-hmm. take that pounding, dude, yeah. guys landing on you. Yeah. So will Lamar Jackson be able to sustain yep. through the NFL? And That's, that's my question, Mark, and with that's, him. I think that's a big concern. Yeah. I look at the guys that are great quarterbacks, but that make a lot of plays with their feet and – Injuries have hampered them in their careers. Yeah. Andrew Luck, Aaron right. Rodgers, right. you know uh, Robert Griffin, not yeah. in the league right it's, now. That's whose fault this is. The whole this is really Jackson Robert Griffin's receiver. fault. Of course, Let's just we be get honest. back to square one. <laughs> yeah. It's RG3's fault. Yeah. But even <laughs> Russell Wilson, the way he played this year, he had to make a lot of plays with his feet because the offense really all went through him. And he was even having some trouble staying healthy. And I'm wondering if that – style is sustainable throughout his career whereas a guy like Brady who's missed you know a few games in a 18 19 year career yeah guy like Drew Brees you know been hurt one time or so in his career right. guys like that that are just t- pocket passers or somebody you can build your franchise around for 15 years because their probability of getting hurt is so much lower than the guys that have to make plays or that want to make plays outside the pocket with their feet so that's my only question mark I mean there's franchises that can benefit even if it is a short term thing yeah, I no equate doubt. it to like you know, the super athletic guy in basketball, right? Like the high flyers, the, you know, physical, the dunkers, the explosive guys, their shelf life is shorter than the Tim Duncans who played the same yep. for 20 straight yep. years. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, like right. uh, the, the Browns, let's say like, yo, he's only going to be good for four years. Yeah, You can't tell me a Browns fan isn't going to say, like, yeah, I'll take yeah. four years of. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like good pitchers, you know, yeah. pitchers pitch only like every week once right. a week so I mean but that that's a great point Joe because that is the question mark I think with Lamar Jackson is durability you know just because he's not as big of a Cam Newton size wise but I mean he is I mean this dude is electrifying mm-hmm. and, and that was my you know not jumping around but like Josh Rosen I mean the dude's number five on my list and I know a lot of people have him at the top but mm. I, with Josh Rosen footwork rhythm timing pocket passer he's got it all his mechanics are good solid but the guy his durability I worry about his movement out getting outside the pocket making plays and that's why he got hurt so much at UCLA is because of that and we could also touch on that the attitude the personality and I don't know the guy personally so I I don't want to truly beat a dead horse on that but you need a guy that's going to want to come in and work hard you can't have some clashing with the coaches that kind of were, were hearing a little bit with him so he's not he's not one of my main guys, you know. Rosen's five, and then um, but Mayfield. So Mayfield, I was high on. I was high watching his film, his game film from college. I thought the kid can play. He's a playmaker. He throws the ball really well. He's efficient and accurate. Probably one of the best out of the top five of actually just being a natural passer and being accurate with it. Watching him at the combine, though, sometimes with his his footwork, I wasn't impressed with. You see a Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is explosive. He gets out from underneath center, and he's a six-foot guy. Drew Brees is a technician in the pocket. Drew Brees gets back deep, hitches up in rhythm all the time. And Mayfield can get to that, 
But I think that's what he has to work on because if you're a smaller quarterback, to see those windows, you have to be able to navigate that pocket. And I think he's done a good job in college. Now, coming from under center now in the NFL, he's got to work on getting out from under center. But arm strength-wise, it's all there for Mayfield. You know, as he he's my number four guy. He's your four. So Rosen, five. Mayfield, four. Lamar, three. Let's just go up. Who's, Who's it, two? Who got two? So two right now, I have Josh Allen. Okay. Josh Allen... Man, that dude, you see him in shorts and a t-shirt, you're like, I'm drafting this dude. Yeah. I mean, he slung that B. Little chub going. <laughs> 70 yards downfield. <laughs> he, he slung that 70 yards downfield at the combine. The dude looks the part. Big, athletic, can move around in the pocket, but also make plays outside the pocket. His arm strength is like no other for a long time. I mean, they compared to Jamarcus Russell, but this kid is more like smooth with it. Jamarcus, you'd take a 100-mile-an-hour bullet to the knee cap and running a slant hawk as a receiver. You you don't want to catch that. Count me out. Yeah. So I think Josh Allen is very impressive, and he's a guy, too, though, that, you know, and this is going to change before the draft. I want to do more studying on Sam Darnold a little bit in these guys because I think what with in playing into where these guys go is going to be a huge factor in who their coaches are. Okay. So my question about Josh Allen, we all know he's got the physical tools. I've always thought the most important attribute a quarterback has is their decision-making because when you're a quarterback, you're dropping back, you've got to have eyes and brain on the pass rush, the linebackers, the safeties, and the coverage from the cornerbacks. Right. So you're processing basically 21 things that are happening at the same time that your eyes are seeing, and you have to make that quick decision in two to three seconds. Is he a guy that's going to be able to do that at the NFL level? Because he has played at a s- small school against weak competition, yeah. I- and he really wasn't extremely successful in college. Everyone talks about his completion percentage, his his wins. It's not like he was this guy that ha- completed 70% of his balls and he took his team to the championship. Really, you're drafting right. this guy on potential because he's got a big arm and he looks Six, good five, in shorts. Well, yeah. Yeah, and he do- actually had a worse – Percentage than Lamar Jackson in college. Yeah, he was below 60%. And the the concern with Allen is that when I watch his game against Iowa, put on the Iowa game and watch Josh Allen, you're going to be like, heck no. This dude was missing easy throws, not protecting the football. So you watch him against Iowa and Oregon, and you're like, come on. Yeah. Now, you also have to take in consideration, he probably has receivers like an Andrew Hawkins. You know, <laughs> knocking open. That guy's a nine-year pro vet. <laughs> what are you talking about? That was Bruce's thing. When he came out, they were like, oh, he doesn't have any receivers. Literally, all our receivers went to the NFL. <laughs> and had <laughs> damn oh, so you guys, better career. You made Bruce Brady Kelsey. Bruce, How about that? Everyone was thinking he made us. Yeah, and no, no, was like, you, wait a minute, you guys dude. Made him. I like it. Well, that, that's a great question because – was it a mechanics thing? Was it a timing thing? I mean, was the ball coming out on time to the right guy in those two games that you mentioned he didn't look good? Was it an issue with his footwork? Like, where was the disconnect that a guy that's supposed to be the second-best quarterback in the draft looks so bad against the only two good teams he plays all season? You know, and I think it's a mixture. Sometimes it's like, will the NFL be a too big of a stage for him? You know, when you play in Iowa and in Oregon – did that stage get too big? And now it's more nerves of why you're missing throws. Now, I also didn't see them just get him a bunch of easy completions. Um, you know, and he's his receivers didn't separate a whole bunch. Like, if you'll see Mayfield, he's throwing to, like, wide-open dudes. But some of the throws Allen did miss, it's kind of like a dump off to the tight end. It's like, come on, dude. Yeah. I don't I don't care if that nose guard's yeah. in your face. you got to make that play. You're 6'4". Mm-hmm. 
but I think there's enough there to work with it with him. But there's definitely concerns. I think all these guys, they have their you have big concerns for him. You know, and that's why you look at back at the 2004 draft with uh, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. Well, J.P. Lossman was a first rounder too that year. So, oh. Yeah, so you never know. I mean, are, are we sitting here talking about J.P. Lossman like we're talking about Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer? Yeah. So it's just tough, man. Th- this whole process to to get into these guys and really navigate of of who's who the best pick is. I think it also goes with the situation you go to. I mean, look at a lot of times Russell Wilson goes to Seattle. He's a tremendous player. I love Russell Wilson as a quarterback. But he had a great defense with him too, you know, and he he makes his own play. So, man, it just comes together as a whole and coaches developing guys the right way. That's a great point. You look at Tom Brady. Everyone talks about him being the greatest player of all time. But if he doesn't go to New England to start with that quality of a defense that he had early right. in his career – he might be the guy that doesn't make it after a few starts. Bruce Gradkowski, no offense. <laughs> that six, that, six that all of a sudden well. becomes the backup <laughs> and just kind of bounces around the league. And then after 10, 11 years, people say, yeah, we've seen enough from him. You know, He's not going to make it. He was a good backup, but we're going to go younger. Uh, I think that's a realistic possibility. For as good as he is, it takes a good helping of luck to be able You're to right. break in as a quarterback, get into that right situation so you can develop and actually show what your true potential is. You're, you're totally right about that, Joe, because Bill Belichick is the best coach. I mean, we, we can argue all day. You could say Brady is the best quarterback ever. Is Bill Belichick the best coach ever? I mean, that is such a tandem, Yeah, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. I mean, these head coaches, quarterback, Joe franchise. Thomas and Romeo Cornell, <laughs> Hugh Jackson. And my eight NFL coaches I've had. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah, was a match you made should, in heaven. Maybe you should switch to quarterback. <laughs> wow. I can sling it a little take. bit. Yeah, I can sling it a little bit. Take. My arm's got at least two or three good passes per game, and then I'm just running it. I mean, Quarterback now, sneak. Why haven't you got a, t- a, a tackle pass? Now, now he's built like a quarterback. Look at him. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, the reason I never got a tackle pass is because if you ever look at my hands, my hands are so beat up that they look like turtles. So I tape <laughs> all of my fingers together, and then I wear this big plaster cast on my thumbs. Yeah. So, so the chances the of me being able to catch a pass are a little bit lower than like NFD making the Browns roster this year. <laughs> yeah. So I actually didn't want to pass because of how embarrassing it would be if you dropped a wide open touchdown pass. <laughs> okay. And it actually had an effect on the outcome of the game. I'm much happier just blocking Dwight Freeney on the edge all game yeah. than actually having the pressure of a ball coming at you and all you could see is football and then you drop I it. I like and that. Then Stick to what you did. Your yeah. kids remember that forever. Like They'll never remember your career, but they'll remember the time you dropped the <laughs> <Yeah>. touchdown pass <laughs> against the Steelers to win the game. Can we talk about one thing really quick? Because you talked about no. you'd rather uh, <laughs> block Dwight Freeney because that's what you're good at. <laughs> I forget what season it was, but I remember we were in an offensive uh, meeting, getting like game planning. We were playing the Broncos. And, you know, whoever it was was going into, like, you know, Vaughn Miller this, Vaughn Miller that, off the edge. Yeah, and he, like, goes into it. I'm, like, yeah. up there doodling. He's like, so what we're going to do is we're going to put Hawk on the edge. And I'm like, wait a minute. Your plan is to put me on the edge and block Vaughn Miller. <laughs> Needless to say, it did not go over well in the game. And He's that's like, when I knew we were going to lose. He, he swat him off like a little fly. Like, who is this dude trying to chip me on the edge? I tell you, though, Hawk would have given him some good effort. He oh, gave no, him a, a hard three seconds. I was always good, no line. Yeah. Hawk, no line. 
Me and the O-line were always hand in hand. They knew I was going to give everything I got. Hawk would have been biting his ankle, like anything. Whatever it takes, baby. That's the thing, man. Hawk did. You come out to practice, man. Hawk works. Outworks everyone. That's why, man, that's why you had a great career. That's why I tricked him. I you tricked, tricked him, for him as man. long as if you work your butt off, you can trick him for you, a pretty you, long time. Is that what you're selling nine years of? Hey, I'm selling nine years professional. Okay. Professional. I like you know it. how to take like NFL. You like yeah, how many years in the NFL did you play? That's my uh, question. Six and a half. So you're counting that cup of coffee you had in New England? One month with the Patriots is, oh, a half. is worth half a season. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yes, that that knowledge you got That's there? That's like 14 games. OTAs are like games <laughs> New England. All so, right, man. Uh, so I'm assuming Sam Darnold then is your number one. Yeah. Since Why? I'm not coming out in the draft this year, I got. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm still the best available quarterback, but <laughs> Sam Darnold is a good second choice. Yeah. What's the rules right. on redrafting guys? <laughs> yeah, like right. once you're retired? Uh, no, but Sam Darnold, I think you know, watching him, he has that no flinch kind of mentality. The guy, yes, he fumbles in the pocket, and that's a concern I have of protecting the football. But he can play that crappy in the first half and come back guns blazing in the second half. So he has that kind of mentality you like in a quarterback. He's going to find ways to win. I mean, the guy is a gritty type player. He needs to work on his footwork a little bit. I can agree with why he didn't throw at the combine. You're standing next to Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, guys that naturally just comes out of their hand and good mechanics. He has a little unorthodox throwing motion, but the guy makes plays. And nowadays in the NFL – you need a quarterback that's going to make plays when things aren't drawn up exactly correct because it's hard enough as an offense coordinator to scheme against the defense when you're playing these teams. A lot of times you watch it around the league, it's playmakers making plays, and you need that at the quarterback position. And I think Sam Darnold brings that. He can buy some time. He can maneuver outside the pocket. He's like a little sneaky, more sneaky athletic than you think, and he's accurate on the run when he throws. Do you think that the NFL team that drafts him is going to try to change his throwing motion? I wouldn't. I mean, you don't mess with that. I mean, there, there's something where if it's too slow of a motion to get the ball out. I mean, look at Phillip Rivers. I mean, he's been playing forever. <laughs> and we all laughed at him yeah. coming out of NC State. Yeah. Like, are you serious? But the guy's been doing it forever. I don't think you mess around too much, especially if you're taking a guy in the first round. You should have to change a lot with him. You know, I think with uh, Sam Darnold, I talked to him at the Super Bowl he has the mentality. I mean, he played linebacker in high school. You know, he's that gym rat type guy where he's going to be in the facility every day working out, working hard, and trying to learn the offense and grow. Now, granted, too, he's only 20 years old. I mean, he's still a young kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's – you got him as, like, your safe pick? Yeah, he's my, he's my safe pick. Like, right okay. now, as, as I look at it, he's my safe pick. Now, if I – I look at it. Okay, John Dorsey. When he was in Kansas City, what did he do? He traded up in the draft to get the biggest arm in the draft in Mahomes. Okay, mm-hmm. so now I look at it. If I'm an outsider looking in, I'm like, shoot, you got Josh, Josh Allen that looks the part, strongest arm in the last how many years. Do the Browns take a chance on him? You know, I would not be surprised if that happened, especially where you play every year. Uh, the wind, the rain, you're going to Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cincinnati. You need a guy with that's big, big arm, big, big hands to slice it through that that win. So I wouldn't be surprised with that. And um, if if I'm though in that situation, if I'm John Dorsey right now, and I see what Barkley has done all year at Penn State, and then he tests at the combine, I'm going out. I'm getting a free agent quarterback. You know, say you get. I mean, love it if you got Kirk Cousins because overpay that guy. Now you make a splash. But even if it's AJ McCarron, you get AJ McCarron. 
um, in free agency. Now you draft Barkley number one overall. Now you have a fourth pick also in the draft to do something. Now you automatically made an impact like that because now you have more of a veteran-type quarterback, and if you have a beast of a running back behind you and a beast of a left tackle, I mean, if Joe's coming back. Yeah, or I could play. Or NFT. Or NFD, me, it's whatever. Any three of us will probably play. <laughs> but but I, I think, I mean, I, I think looking outside, I, I mean, I'd like to see something like that. You know, where I you like get, that. I love Barkley. Uh, I think Barkley should be number one. Okay. What do you think, Joe? Would you be, if the Browns chose Barkley number one, Joe Thomas would be blank. At home, sipping my ties. I'd probably be fishing and find out about it the next day when okay. I listen to uh, Andrew Hawkins on uh, social media. I'm talking about emotionally. Oh, emotionally? Yeah. You know, I haven't really come to a conclusion yet. I need a little bit more time to decide what I think the Browns should do, number oh, wow. one. This dude yeah. can't piss or get off the pot on anything. <laughs> well, well that, but that's a good question because as a player, I mean, I mean, dude, I give you so much credit, Joe, because you look around the league. I mean, for how many games, uh, plays you've played in a row, like over 10,000, you see so many times. Like when I was even here for that, you know, quick cup of coffee in 2008, and you know your season's coming to an end with no playoff hopes. It's just another year. There's not once that you tapped out and like, ah, oh, man, I got a twisted ankle or I got a concussion. I'm, I'm your number one left tackle. I don't need to take a chance in the last two <laughs> games of the year. I mean, that never happened, man. And that's, that's a credit to you because you see it so many times around the league. Superstar players tap out when, eh, this ain't worth playing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sacrifice yeah. my body. Yeah, I think a lot of it just came down to personal pride. You know, pride and yeah. doing things the right way all the time, no matter so you're selfish. if somebody's watching or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I love it. Honestly, uh, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, those guys always used to talk about do your job and then expect the guys around you to do their job. Now, that's a selfish way to think, yeah. but that's the way you have to think right. because you don't want to have to concern yourself with, is Andrew Hawkins going to run the right route? Because now I'm thinking about that, and I'm missing my own job. Right. And I'm screwing up what I'm supposed to do, and then that hurts the team. Really, the best that you can do to help the team is to do your job as well as you possibly can. Yeah, I So that's kind of always been my mentality. I always say that about quarterbacks. I would tell like maybe Andy Dalton when I was there. I'm like, listen, every position – like me as a receiver, I, all I have to worry about is me. Yeah. Because if I get yeah. a thousand yards, I'm doing my job to help the team. Yeah. If I get a thousand yards, I'm going to get paid. Whether we get go 0 and 16, 16 and 0, yeah. I'm still getting the same contract for agency. The only position that doesn't think like that or can't show that he's thinking like that is the quarterback. Like everyone needs to know that all you care about is winning. Because a quarterback right. who only cares about his yards or his stats, like people don't like him because if. You, you can ha- you could throw for seven thousand yards, but if you're zero and sixteen, you're not a good quarterback. Like the quarterback right. and the head coach, your jobs are tied to winning football games. You're that's right. who gets paid. That's who are the people that people regard as like top tier talent. Everybody else, it is a selfish game from running back to tackle to receiver. Es- you name it. Especially you receivers. Especially of course. <laughs> Lance Lance ball. Lance Moore at Toledo. We were roommates with Hawk too. And if if it came out of a game where I didn't throw him the ball or he didn't have the right stats, and even if we won, he wouldn't be talking to me that night. That was, and, we're, and we're best friends. Wow. That's legit. No pillow talk that night, huh, no, boys? Bro. Well, you're talking about stats. There's an interesting stat from the combine where you're talking about Saquon Barkley. He uh, apparently had more bench press reps than you, Joe. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, my thoughts on that are I was never a guy that was very strong. So going into the combine for me, my goal was to just get 20 reps because that's sort of the baseline of – you're just strong enough to play in the NFL, and after that, we really don't care. So I was thinking, man, I just need to get 20. And so I got 28 or 29, whatever it was. 
And uh, I was happy with that. I was pleased. You know, I wanted to get up to 30, but it really wasn't going to affect me one way or the other. You know, for a lineman, bench press is really not all that important at all. It's really you creating power with your hips and your legs. Um, There's obviously no test at the combine that measures leg strength. Now, you could say vertical jump, broad jump. Those are things that sort of measure explosiveness in your hips and legs, which Mm -hmm. is important for a lineman. So I think those are more accurate tests on if you're a good lineman or not. But, yes, it is true Saquon Barkley was better at me, better than me at the 225 bench test. That's a long-winded way of but, saying what I'm not good at doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> Anything I'm not good at But we're at trying to chew up an hour of time here, so I took a long time to say he's stronger than <laughs> well, me. Well, look, matter. look how long Joe's arms are, too. Could you imagine, like, pushing that weight up that many times? Uh, definitely a lot more time under tension. When I'm doing 28 reps than him doing 29 half <laughs> I got pumps. I got your back, Joe. Oh, Saquon Barkley, man. I, I think, I mean, 4-4 four, four flat 40. His tape at Penn State was ridiculous. The fact that people are surprised at how great of a combine he had. Yeah, that's not a really of a, much of a surprise. To anybody yeah, that like watched, if you watched his film, it like, was yeah, like, okay. he's super powerful, super strong, explosive, explosive and a great guy. We so, saw it on film. I so, like him at number one. Right. So if you look back and you got Adrian Peterson, because they're kind of comparing a little bit, like, would you take Adrian Peterson number one, right? I, I mean, yeah, like, I think so. Le'Veon Bell. Like, if Le'Veon Bell, who wasn't a first round pick, no. You know, if you can go back, somebody was like, "Well, you get the you can get Le'Veon Bell's late, and yeah, you might be able to hit a diamond in the rough that way." But if you can, you mean to tell me going back to Le'Veon Bell's draft, somebody wouldn't draft him in the top five if they had the opportunity to? Of course they would. Like this is a game changer. So if you think Saquon is that kind of guy, I think you take him because he's a twenty to twenty five touch mm-hmm. right. player, and if you. That that kind of takes pressure off whoever your quarterback is. If you do bring AJ McCarron in, that, that's it's like yo, there's twenty five yeah. touches right there that we don't have to worry about because we're throwing him the ball. He he caught the ball at the combine better than ninety percent of the receivers. Right. And look what Todd Haley has done with Le'Veon Bell in yeah. Pittsburgh. And you bring Barkley here uh, to the Browns because that's that's what impressed me. You know, if if you like Hawk, you bring up a good point. If you have Barkley behind center, if Barkley's your running back, you can have now the door opens for more quarterbacks to be successful than just the number one overall pick or the franchise guy. Now, if you have a good running game. A lot more quarterbacks can be successful under a good running game. There you go. Well, I think going back to what you guys were talking about, who the Browns should take, I think we need to wait and see how free agency unfolds to see who the guy becomes in free agency because I think it's right. pretty well understood that the Browns are going to try to sign a veteran quarterback to be the starter. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys out there. Obviously, Kirk Cousins is the big name, but A.J. McCarron, Case Keenum, those guys it sound like are going to be probably more likely to be in Cleveland. And then it depends on who you get who you want to take that at number one, in my opinion. But I think if if you get A.J. McCarron, let's say, I think you take Saquon Barkley at one, and then you see who falls to you at four. Exactly. Now, maybe your top quarterback falls to you at four, and you right. say, that's too good of a value. Maybe we, you love we Baker. want to take it. Now, maybe Baker's right there at four. You maybe love Baker's him. right there. Now, all of a sudden, him. now you take him, and you let him sit for a few years behind A.J. McCarron, and then let the best man win. Right. Or let's say you kind of love all those quarterbacks equal, but you don't think any of those guys are going to be Pro Bowl-type guys. Well, now you take the best available player at four because, right. as we all know, the Browns have a lot of holes that they could fill with a number of guys. Right. And actually, I think Bradley Chubb is a guy that hasn't been talked about a lot, but he would make a lot of sense at number four because he's, I think, 
going to be an extremely dominant pass rusher mm-hmm. in the NFL. And if you can get him at number four and pair him with Miles Garrett, Ooh. your defense is scary yeah. all of a sudden. So the Browns are in a great situation, obviously. But I think I'm going to wait to see what they do in free agency yeah. at quarterback before I say who I definitely want to take at number one and then number four. I think when we get to the point where the fans, we have a lot of rich Browns fans around the world, millionaires, man. Probably there's even some, there's a lot of billionaires out there, I'm sure, rooting for the Browns. and are Besides like, oh, NFD? Man. Besides NFD, yeah, who has course. so much money, it'll make your head spin. <laughs> He's I single-handedly. Think when we get to the point where those guys on. start, you know, don't just tweet about it, be about it. Get, in, get involved. Call Kirk. There's not there's nothing illegal about you giving Kirk ten million on the side <laughs> to come to the Browns. Just tell the IRS we have a cap, be in on but tax you know fraud. you just give him an extra five. Say hey Kirk, look, hey. I'll give you ten million dollars if you sign with the Browns. Outside of my outside of whatever your contract, there's nothing <laughs> illegal about that. Are you telling Joe Thomas to bring a book bag to? Hey, I'm not. I'm just putting it out there yeah. to some listeners. <laughs> Leave it little, to a couple of Toledo pocket. guys to try to pay people on the side <laughs> illegally that the IRS doesn't know about. <laughs> All right, <laughs> still tell the IRS. Just, uh, <laughs> just we'll send him a 1099. Yeah, exactly. So I want to hear: Are there any sleeper quarterbacks in the draft we should watch? We know about the big five, but it's funny you mentioned who's Toledo. after that. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go with our Toledo guy, Logan Woodside. I, I Logan, I like the kid. About a year and a half ago during spring ball, I said, Logan, look. Every practice, either before or after, start taking snaps under center. You don't want to wait till after your senior year. Now you're starting to learn how to drop back from under center. He looked the most comfortable, honestly, to draft, dropping back and throwing it. He has a strong enough arm. He's accurate. He's the type of guy, and sometimes these quarterbacks that go later in the draft are actually in better situations. Whoever goes to the Saints, if that happens to be a Baker Mayfield or Logan Woodside, those dudes are going to be successful learning behind Sean Payton and Drew Brees. So yeah. I think Logan Woodside is a sleeper. Well, I had it's funny. I was you know I do ESPN uh, NFL Live as well, and I was there, and, and they were breaking down the quarterbacks, and they were talking. They had no idea that you know where I went to school, and they were I was just eavesdropping on the conversation. He was like, you know, kid that threw it as good as anybody there was Logan Woodside. He made all the throws. He had the right arm strength, great footwork, and they were like raving about him. And uh, Field Yates, who was you know one of my, my counterparts at ESPN, he was like, imagine if that kid ends up at a New England. Like that's a late round pick you right. bring in. He's one of those backups that you you kind of help mature into a situation. And they come in and, and they play well, which is the yeah. formula for a lot of those teams with great quarterbacks already. That that that's what I would love to see for Logan Woodside. And I didn't, I haven't been blowing him up on Twitter with his highlights and stuff because I didn't want it to seem that I was just hyping up the Toledo guy. But after watching him. At the combine, watching what he's done up to this point before the draft, he's going to be back in town in Toledo soon. I'll get a chance to work out with him some. Mm. I think he has a good chance to be a sleeper, and he, I always tell him you got to just continue to worry about what you can control. That's it. That's good advice. Two guys I wanted you to talk about that you've got a lot of experience, especially that we have a lot of Browns fans that listen to the show. You've played for both Todd Haley and Ken Zampezi. The Browns hired both those guys this offseason – Give me your two-minute rundown on both those guys. Well, I think Kenny Zampezi was my quarterback coach in Cincinnati. I think the guy prepares like no other coach. I mean, he puts the time in and work, and he cares. He really does care to help develop the quarterback. He loves what he does, and he's going to be super detailed. Now, sometimes I joke with him, like, you're too detailed. Like, <laughs> you can't see all that in one play if you want me to look at this guy, that guy. But he does care that much. So he's going to have you prepare. When you come in for your – 
Wednesday meeting and even Tuesday on your day off, you're going to probably sit with Zampezi a little bit as a quarterback. On Wednesday on your day off, he's going to have tip sheets galore for you that you're going to go up. He's going to have every pressure drawn up. So he's going to have you prepared. I think Kenny Zampezi does a good job. I think that's a good hire by Hugh Jackson. And then Todd Haley. I think Todd Haley has done a great job in Pittsburgh filling in the pieces or, or building his offense around the pieces he had with Le'Veon Bell, how Ben Roethlisberger works, mm-hmm. Antonio Brown, Martavius yeah. Bryant. He had a lot of talent there, but he also found ways to get those guys the ball. You know, quick screens to receivers or lining A.B. up in different positions, spreading Le'Veon Bell out, get him a matchup out of the backfield and different touches and so forth like that. So I think Todd Haley, when I was working with him, I liked him because he was easy to get along with and he was easy to communicate with. So I think with Hugh Jackson and Kenny Zampezi's the detailedness they have, I think Todd Haley can can bring a different dimension to this offense. And you got three brilliant offensive minds working together. So I think the Browns have no excuse now. There you go. And you played for Hugh Jackson too, right? Yeah, Hugh Jackson in Oakland. So funny Jeez, story. You might get signed. <laughs> you might you might have to walk you down to Dorsey's office real quick. <laughs> I told you I'm still available. <laughs> couple, Have you sent your papers in yet? Yeah, a couple shots in the shoulder, I'll be all right. <laughs> um, so Hugh Jackson was my offense coordinator in Oakland, and he came in in 2010. 2009, I was with the, the Raiders, and that was the year after I had a terrible game against uh, the Steelers with the Browns. Mm-hmm. So the next year, I threw for 300 yards against the Steelers. All right, Hawk, I had yeah, to throw that in. A lot in. of screens. <laughs> a lot, lot of screens. screens. Yeah. So, so, so the next year, <laughs> they bring... 100-yard screen pass. <laughs> the next year, they bring in Hugh Jackson. And it was cool because Al Davis would call me in the offseason, like, hey, I'm going to bring in Hugh Jackson. He's coming from the Ravens. He's going to help with our protections and this and that. And I thought it was cool Al Davis was keeping me in the loop. But Hugh Jackson also was the type like, you got to prove it to me. Because I was going back like I was going to be the starter for that next year. Like the rest of the coaches believed it. We had some good runs toward the end of the 09 season. And I like that about Hugh because he made us compete. Now, I tore my pet going into that next season. So Jason Campbell was brought in. So during the season, I was healthy. Jason Campbell was a starter. It's halftime of the Rams game, second game of the year. And we're losing. We got blown out the first game. So we're getting crushed against the Rams. He comes to me at halftime, Hugh Jackson. He says, what's going on out there? I said, look, we can't get lined up. We're not calling the plays correctly. I don't know what to tell you. And I'm frustrated because I'm like, I should be out there anyway. And Hugh's like, can you win this? I'm like, heck. (laughs) I'm like, hell yeah. He's like, you're in. No way. Yeah. And I'm like, let's go. So he puts me in for Jason Campbell for the second half of the Rams game. We come back, we win. No way. Then I start the next couple games, and then once again, I get I hurt my right shoulder. I had a third-degree separation sideline me. But the thing I remember about Hugh is when I took over for Jason Campbell, he wasn't playing the greatest. But when I got hurt, Jason Campbell stepped it up. And that was Hugh Jackson being like, look, Jason, everything's not going to be perfect out there. You have to make plays. You have to be a leader for this team. And that's what I liked about Hugh because he understood it was more than just going through your reads and progressions. It was actually making a play when you had to. If it's third and seven, find a way to get that first down. The guy might not be all the way open, but if you throw the right ball, he is. Or if you dick, dive, dodge, and get outside the pocket and throw an accurate football, it's a first down. So that's what I liked about Hugh. Well, there you go. There was actually one game where he Bruce tore both his both his MCLs in one football game. <laughs> that is the truth. That's a legit. How story. do you get so injured as a quarterback? How are you tearing your pec, man? Because I gotta ask. You know, Bruce. How is do like, you tear a pec? He's a he's like a mobile quarterback. 
So yeah, I realized that. But pectors are like something you hear with like bodybuilders, uh, I was and power lifters. He's a meathead. Don't tell he's me from you, you were in a meathead convention like three hundred. Bro, he was like, oh, he likes to love getting like super buff. Like, oh, bro, I'm gonna kill it this year. Well, Joe, that but that's what happened. So. In that 09 season, we beat the Steelers. I threw for 300 yards, three touchdowns. The next week, we're playing the Redskins at home. I tear my left MCL in the first quarter. <laughs> I, I feel it pop, and I'm like, but I can still walk. So I'm like, all right, this might, I don't know what you that was. You can't give up your spot at that point. No. So I'm still, I'm still out there. So the second quarter comes, I take a hit on my right knee, and it pops. And I'm like, what the F was that? <laughs> they try look. Jamarcus is my backup at the time. Tom Cable's the head coach. They, <laughs> he was like, "Whoa, bro!" I was like, "You tore all three of your MCLs." Like Jamarcus, I only have two. Hey, they take they take me up to the training room. No lie, they brace up both my knees. Okay, I'm got I'm limping down to the to sideline for the second half, thinking, "How am I going to even get out there?" And Tom Cable comes over to me. He's like, "What you do?" I said, "I tore both my MCLs." He's like, "You're done. Get out of here." <laughs> and you know, Joe, as a competitor, it's hard to say. It's so hard. Yeah, it's hard to say when. So they, that's when I was out. But so going in that next offseason, when they brought in Hugh Jackson, I was. I was getting ready for Jerry Rice's golf outing, and I was getting my workout in. And in that offseason, I was like, listen, I'm going to lift like I was in college. I'm going to get strong. I'm not getting hurt again when I get my opportunity. And I was benching. I had like 250 on the bench. And it wasn't something that was unreasonable for me. I've been doing that weight. So I had to get six, and I was like on the third rep in rhythm, and boom, my left pec popped. Oh man! And I was—it was the worst feeling I ever felt. God's plan. But but it I happens. go, <laughs> I go home, I go home to Miranda. God hates you. Yeah, <laughs> he wanted you to tear your back. <laughs> I I go home to Miranda, and she and I mean my left boob is just hanging down. <laughs> so she's like, "Well, you got a free boob job." <laughs> <laughs> Typical God brand, bless, I love it. God bless the wives. They God, always God know how bless to them. take well, things funny a little less seriously. As like people in the NFL, like you know, like Bruce, people look at his career and they're like, "Oh man, you know." That's why I joke with him on Twitter because he was really good. Like you know, I owe a lot of what I know and what I did to my career to Bruce. You know, on this side, we're like, "Dude, you lasted 11 years in the NFL. That's a blessing. Like you didn't even have to play six of those years as a backup. <laughs> it's like, yo, you did it." But in Bruce's mind, it was like, yo, I never got my opportunity. Yeah, I, I didn't get chance, my chance right. to be the Tom Brady. Yeah. But that's like the mind of a competitor. Well, and that's what's like that's what's awesome about it. Yeah, thanks, Hawking. But that is the point is when I look back, I had two legit opportunities. It was when I was in Tampa and I started eleven games for John Gruden. I was a rookie. I started off on fire, but sometime during the season it got too big for me. I was worrying about what Gruden want me to do instead of reacting to what I should do. And then later on when I had that chance with the Raiders, you know, so those were two times I had legit opportunities, Mm -hmm. but then injuries played a factor. But that's why I look at the guys coming out in the draft is so much plays into Joe, you know, Hawk, you know, is injuries, the right coaching situation, the right opportunity. Yeah. Look at Garoppolo backing up Brady and what now what the opportunity he has with Kyle Shanahan. That's an yeah. unbelievable fit for him. Well, if you would have thrown for 400 yards in that game versus the Steelers in 2008 for the Browns, that was, you know. <laughs> I'd still be here. Be, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd still be. You'd have a mural right here outside <laughs> this, uh, this studio. All right, we got to get into some, some Q&A, Tomahawk Q&A. Send us your questions with the hashtag Tomahawk with an H on Twitter or on the Tomahawk Show Reddit page. Reddit page, excuse me. Um, here we go. We're going to get right into it. NFD. Take over. We'll start from Reddit. Jay Garcia, Jr., 1330. Who's the better dancer? My money is on Joe. No offense, Hawk. Ooh, wow. Okay. Better dancer, got to be me. I, um, that might be a little selfish. Joe, your thoughts? 
one thing people don't know about me is that I'm ex- an exceptional dancer. Wow. My okay. nickname for the last 15 years has been the Vanilla Volcano. And that's <laughs> specifically from the things that I've done on the dance floor. I'm sure. Uh, I practice at night in front of the mirror. You know, I pop on those music videos and make sure I get the steps down. So I'm going to go definitely with me. Even though you do have quick feet, I think I've got yes. more rhythm. All right. We'll give, I'll give it to you. Bruce, have you seen Hawk Dance? Of course. Uh, uh, Hawk can move. I mean, I teach Bruce everything he knows in the day. That's, honestly, that's my—I'm the quarterback when it comes to dancing. Hey, honestly, in college, Hawk and Lance and them—they taught me how to to move and shake and what's hip. Like, hey, no, don't play that song. You got to listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> They're going to make fun of you. Listen to this song. All right, next question. All right, this one comes from Twitter. Caleb M. Helms. What are some of the weirdest superstitions you've seen inside an NFL locker room? Weird superstitions. I don't know. I don't really have any. I don't think there's as many superstitions as people think there yeah. is. Like, I think people have more superstitions than the actual yeah, players. Yeah, I, w- I would say fans have yeah. way more superstitions. You go and watch a football game with like a diehard fan, and they've got to do everything exactly the same way. They've got to be eating the same thing, sitting on the same spot, right. rewinding it the same way, like shunning their wife the same way, making right. their kids sit in the other room. Their superstitious is crazy, but for a player, really, I think – our superstition, for the most part, is just routine. Yeah, we're just, it's just making people. sure the routine's the same every game, down to like, all right, I put my left shoe on first, then I'm my right shoe, and that just I think kind of builds confidence going into the game that just, you're prepared and you're ready. You're the just same way you were, environment. yeah, the, the same way you were the the week before. Certain things you don't have to worry about because you know in the game everything is going to be things yeah. that you can't predict. So, all right, here we go. Next question. What we got here? This one comes from N. Joseph L.C., best restaurant in Toledo, not named Gradkowski's. Oh. Do you have a restaurant in Toledo? Yes. Social. Social. <laughs> it used to be called Gradkowski's. We, we got a little rebrand there. It's rebrand. called Social. So every, every, what, five, ten years as a restaurant tier, you got to kind of rebrand and give to. it a fresh new Spice look. Spice it up. Yeah. So we got the Social Club. Is that what? Uh, the social Gastro Pub. The Social Gastro Pub. We need to have you there. For I would love dinner. it. You know, what we should really do seriously is do a Tomahawk show from Bruce's restaurant in Toledo. Awesome. I think it would yeah. be fun. I think mm-hmm. it would be a good chance to interact with fans and let them ask these great questions about who's a better dancer live and in person. There you go. And, and, and Bruce, just so you know, that's not free. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk business after 20000 per episode, no big deal. And FD is simple. also our director of business development, so he'll get with you after <laughs> okay, the show. Okay. We'll, we'll talk from there. Do we have more? One last one from pshay 22 How open are you guys to the idea of having a summer intern? Oh, got a little internship inquiry, huh? I think we need to have a competition. Yes. To select a yep. summer intern for the Tomahawk Show. An intern combine. I think that would be perfect. Yes. We got to do it just like your uh, fourth and long show where yeah. we treat them like absolute <laughs> dog shit <laughs> and see who survives. Yeah. yeah, they got to sleep like <laughs> under our desk in the studio. Strongest, the strongest survive. There and, it is. And then like second place becomes my intern at the grad school podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> at the grad. Exactly. Oh, I like that. I like that. The so grad there we go. school if podcast. You want to be an intern for the Tomahawk Show? Send us your, your best videos. Tweet us. Let us know. We're going to do an intern competition. And Bruce, tell us about your podcast real quick. Yeah, so just started my podcast, The Grad School. And, uh, Great name. I, yeah, I just, you know, took me a while to figure that out with Gradkowski. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just breaking Kinda down. Like Tomahawk. <laughs> especially right now, just breaking down these quarterbacks. I think talking, talking with them, I'm going to have Chris Sims, Greg Cosell on the show coming up. Uh, you guys have you guys on the Tomahawk guys, but um, it's good stuff. You know, anytime you can continue to spread the knowledge and what the experiences you've had out there, I think you guys do a great job, and that's what people want to hear. They want to be a part of those experiences. I agree. Well, look, 
you know, we're out of time here. Bruce, can't thank you enough for joining us here at Tomahawk. Of course, you're always welcome. Appreciate the apology to Joe Thomas. You're uh-huh. two of 20. Time. We're going to try to get 18 more apologies for this thing. is all said and done. Listen, all the listeners, appreciate you coming. Again, this is the Tomahawk Show presented to you by Uninterrupted. Make sure you subscribe. Rate five stars. Steal your friends' phones. Do it from their phones. Steal your family's phones. Whatever it takes. We appreciate you guys coming and joining us as always. Any final thoughts, Joe? My final thoughts is how much I enjoyed having Bruce on the show, awesome. having him break down the quarterbacks, and it's something that I would definitely like to do again, especially as we get closer to the football season. It'd be fun to hear your breakdown because in my brain, I feel like I understand football really well, and I try to learn as much as I can about quarterbacks, but there's so much to learn at that position. Having a guy like you on has been a lot of fun, and I think it'd be fun to do that during the season, breaking down guys as they're going through the NFL season. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Joe. And, and my last thought's hot. You owe me 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. There you go. Bruce just took the Tomahawk show to grad school. Well, ended like we always do. And my last thought is, Bruce, Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>